Good evening. It's 2am. And for some reason, this is quietly yours. listening to Quietly Yours, but you already knew that. What you might not know is that tonight's episode is part of a special series called Campfire Tales, which explores folklore and urban legends by placing us right in the middle of a campfire gathering, which is usually the warmest part. Our four friends are going to tell us five stories across five nights, with some listener submissions thrown in for good luck. Yes, that means you're getting five episodes of Quietly Yours this week, but if you're one of our supporters on Patreon, the whole thing is already available for you to listen to right now. This version of Campfire Tales also includes exclusive bonus stories that you can't hear in the standard version. So if you're not yet a supporter, but you want to get your hands on those exclusives, as well as our usual goodies for patrons, you can sign up at patreon.com slash quietly yours. But enough of that, let's see what our campers are up to. Alright, so this story is about a shoemaker who set up his own business years ago making, wait for it, shoes. He ran the place for about ten years and it was hardly making him millions, but he had a steady stream of income and combined with his wife's salary they were doing okay. But one day, his wife got sick. At first she tried to power through, but she grew weaker and weaker and eventually she had to leave work, which left all the pressure on the man's shoulders. And it all came down to the business. It needed to make more money, but it just wasn't happening. But then he had a great idea. He could start turning over old shoes. It was the first time he'd done anything like that. Until then, he'd only worked on new pairs of shoes, which I know feels like a stupid thing to clarify, but trust me, it might explain a lot. Because as long as he was working with new shoes, nothing weird was happening. But when he started his new method, well, you'll see. His basic plan was a bit of a cruel one, really. He'd read the obituaries every morning and then use that information to target the surviving family in the hopes of buying the deceased shoes at a good price. Well, it was a win-win as far as he was concerned. He would get a new pair of shoes and the family would get some extra money when they needed it most. Once he had the shoes, he'd fix them up and sell them on. It was a morally questionable plan, but it certainly worked. Their monthly income shot up, which was a huge help with only one of them earning. But their flat was directly above the shop. And once he started working with the used shoes, the most bizarre thing started happening. He'd wake up in the middle of the night, and he'd be able to hear the gentle tapping of dancing drifting up the stairs. He dismissed it at first, told himself he was hearing things. But it was happening every night, and it started to keep him awake. He'd hear that noise... He'd go downstairs into the shop, but there'd be no one there. He started to feel strange, understandably, about taking the shoes of the deceased, and he gave serious thought to giving up and going back to his previous business model, 
but his wife was only getting sicker and sicker each day and he just couldn't give up the extra money it was bringing in. And he was getting so much extra business, he wasn't even having to seek people out anymore. People had heard about what he was doing, heard that it was a good way to make a bit of extra money at a crucial time, and they'd started bringing the shoes to him. He was making more money than ever, but of course the more shoes he accepted, the worse the problem became. He would lie awake at night and it sounded like there was a party going on downstairs, like a hundred people dancing all night. And his wife was completely bedridden by this point, just to pile more on. The stress was becoming too much and he knew he couldn't keep it up like this. Finally, he made the difficult decision to stop. He started turning people away when they brought in their old shoes and he spent the next few days working tirelessly to finish working on his remaining stock and sell them. The more shoes he managed to shift, the quieter the noise was. He started getting more sleep, he felt more relaxed, it was like a weight was lifted. Finally, he sold the final pair and the relief was immense, knowing he'd never hear that horrible noise again. He felt lighter that night as he closed up the shop, but as he made his way upstairs that night, he heard a familiar noise coming from above, the tap, tap, tap of a pair of shoes. It was a familiar rhythm, a waltz just like the first dance at his wedding. He knew then what had happened. He headed for the bedroom, said his final goodbyes to his wife and called the doctor to arrange the removal of the body. All the while he could hear that gentle sound drifting over from the wardrobe. James Scully here, the host and producer of Breaking Walls, the podcast on the history of American network radio. And for Quietly Yours today, I'd like to tell a true ghost story that I have personally experienced in my life. Uh, Until I was 10 years old, I lived in a house in Brooklyn, New York, with my great-grandparents, grandparents, mother, aunt, a dog, a cousin, an uncle. It was a rowdy house full of Italian Americans. Uh... Sort of like something that you might see on, say, The Godfather meets uh, a Woody Allen movie, basically. But the house itself was very strange. It was old. It was built in the 1920s. And there was odd things that occurred. Now, I only lived there till I was 10. Although, my grandparents owned the home long after that. So, I had experiences in this home until I was in my early 20s. But all of us, at some point or another, had a strange odd experience in the house. When I was about seven or eight years old, three times this happened, where I woke up in the middle of the night, and and full disclosure, I was definitely afraid of the dark as a child, but I know for a fact that these things happened. The first two times I woke up in the middle of the night and noticed that somebody something was standing near my bed. I knew this because my bedroom windows faced the street, which allowed for a lot of street light to come pouring into the room. And at the time, I had plastic bookcases that were white in color, and they were set up to be spaced apart a certain distance from each other, and in between was an acoustic guitar I was learning to play, just sitting on the floor. Well, something was standing blocking my view of the acoustic guitar, and the room was narrow enough where 
if as a child I was laying on a twin-size bed. The whole width of the room couldn't have been more than 10 feet, so the bed took up 5 feet, or however much these measurements are. So it's not like I, my eyesight was poor and I couldn't see 3 feet in front of me at the time. Cup, you know, everything coupled with the streetlight pouring in and the space of the room itself let me know that something is standing near my bed right now in the middle of the night. And as, as a child, I'm very scared. Well, the third time this happened, and I'll never forget this, I was dreaming a dream of something, and something in my dream said to me, you will wake up now. And I opened my eyes instantly, and this amorphous dark being was standing over my bed. I was paralyzed with fear. This was not sleep paralysis. I was wide awake. And eventually I had the courage to roll over, cover my head, and fall back to sleep. Now, years go by. I'm in my late 20s. At this point in time, I, looking back at history, I would have assumed that the experiences that I had as a child in the house, although strange, were at least somewhat in my head because I was a young child scared of the dark. And I went to stay for a, li a little while with my mother and her husband in Arizona at a home that she was owning at the time. And this home was near what's called the Superstition Mountain Chain. You can look it up on Wikipedia, Google, etc. It's a very unattractive mountain chain, which is an interesting way to describe a mountain chain in the first place. People have gone up there looking for a lost gold mine that supposedly exists in the mountain. Uh, temperatures are very warm during the day, very cold at night, and therefore people can freeze to death. They get lost. Nobody hears from them again. It's a place that's known for UFO sightings. And overall, this whole area of the country in the United States is what at one time would have been Apache country during the Native American era. Anyway, so I was staying with her in the home, and I had the same experience again as a 27-year-old, cold, sober, adult human being where I woke up in the middle of the night and there was something in the room with me. And instantly, it brought me back to those moments as a child and confirmed somehow the validity of those experiences that I had. And with Halloween coming up, I think it's a good time to remember that although we live consciously, we go to work, we do the things we have to do, we love, we live, we lose. There are other things sometimes that are at play here that we don't fully understand. So, as I said, my name is James Scully. I host a podcast called Breaking Walls. It's the podcast on the history of American network radio broadcasting. You can subscribe to the series everywhere you get your podcasts and at thewallbreakers.com and thank you very much for listening to my story today. I still think radio is probably the greatest entertainment medium ever invented. It made the audience work. Instead of a big, ugly glass picture tube, you saw the performers in your own mind. We 
were a family. It was a nucleus of people that you never grew away from. When I arrived, all of the WTIC people had started mm -hmm. and were working in New York and introduced me to different people and got me at least into some of the auditions. I think there is something so special between the listener and the other side of the microphone in the studio. Breaking Walls is the podcast on the history of American dramatic radio. Subscribe everywhere you get your podcasts and at thewallbreakers.com. Well, that's all for tonight's episode, but we'll pick up where we left off tomorrow when Campfire Tales returns for another episode. If you want to let us know what you think of this miniseries so far, please do. You can get in touch with us via Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, or Tumblr. Our handle everywhere is quietlypodcast. You can also email us at quietlyyours at daffodillies.co.uk, and as always, you'll find our website at daffodillies.co.uk slash quietlyyours. Don't forget that the full version of this episode is available on Patreon, and includes stories that you can't hear anywhere else. To get your hands on those bonuses, head to patreon.com slash quietlyyours. So, until tomorrow, I am quietly yours, and you are quietly mine.